You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Life, you have a chance you could be an eagle or duck. He was an eagle there. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Alfred. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Alfred and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? Kintech. If you're watching on the stream, you can do so at Sportsnet Plus, by the oh, way. Wow. It's a yeah. very uh, it's a very green day in studio today. Both mm-hmm. both Bruff like and I the are, band. Well, yeah, follow is it up. St. Patrick's Day? Uh mm-hmm. it is not. It is February the sixth. Yeah. Synonymous with green. This is the most green we've ever worn. This happens enough now that I think you guys do coordinate before. Mm-hmm. We try not to talk when green we're green tops air. and black hats. <laughs> hey. All right. Looking sharp, boys. Again, check us out on Sportsnet Plus. You can watch a stream for three hours today. Uh, we got a big show. Today Six- on the show, Seamus O'Reilly. <laughs> Can't get in trouble for making fun of the Irish. 6.30, Greg Wyshynski is going to join us on the program. 7 o'clock, Don Waddell is going to join us. The general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes is going to join us ahead of tonight's game. It is the Canucks and Canes, 4 o'clock from Carolina. 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor is going to join us. He'll be on the call for the aforementioned game. A reminder, pre, post, and the actual game, all right here on Sportsnet 650. Also, uh, start getting your What We Learns in right now. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Uh, get your What We Learns in because we are... Want me to do the one, two, three again? We are giving away one set of two tickets to a three-day tournament. It's the Rugby Sevens. Uh, the entire tournament pass, February 23rd to 25th, every day this week, we are giving away a pair of tickets to go see the Rugby Sevens. Uh, if you want to win them, you got to get your What We Learns in. Hashtag it WWL. Uh, what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports, let us know. Text it into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We'll read them throughout the show, and we will give away the tickets uh, in the final segment of the show. Working in reverse on the guest list, 8 o'clock, it's Brendan Batchelor. 7 o'clock, Don Waddell, 6.30, Greg Wyshynski. That is what's happening on the program today. Laddie, tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. The Canucks, having now been in Carolina for a couple days, practiced yet again in Raleigh yesterday. 
Uh, the lines went unchanged from what we saw on Monday. So Elias Lindholm remains a winger alongside Elias Pettersson and Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, Lindholm was also on power play one, shifting, or not shifting, I suppose that keeps Pia Suter on the power play, albeit on power play two. And the big news, maybe, is welcome to the microscope, Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah, um, I guess, uh, did we start that? When we asked Rick Taka when he was on our show, do you need to see more out of Mikheyev? We didn't start any. I, I, I would like that our listeners started that because our listeners have really started to text in to the Dunbar Lumber text line about Mikheyev and how they need to see more out of him. Um, and Taka agrees. And he said, when you play with top players, you got to come up with loose pucks. You've got to go to the net. You got to go through the middle. You've got to chase pucks down. And you've got to be good wall guys. That's what we're looking for, which is similar to what he was saying about Kuzmenko. And, you know, one of the reasons why who plays with Petey has been such a topic of discussion and such, um, not just on our show, but clearly in the Canucks front office as well and with the coaching staff because they went out and got a guy that they hope meshes well with Petey and uh, Elias Lindholm. And now they're hoping that, I don't know, they don't have to go out and get another guy or they don't have to break up the Garland line because let's think about the options if Mikheyev doesn't give Tockett what he's looking for. Okay, number one is you keep looking for it and you keep keep hoping he finds it. Um, But I don't think Tockett's going to just keep doing that if Mikheyev isn't effective in his role. Um, And so the options are you break up the third line and you give Garland a shot or Dakota Joshua a shot. Um, Hoaglander, I suppose you could give him a chance. Although, you know, the thing that you don't want to really do is rob Peter to pay Paul. And the third and the fourth lines, especially that third line, in my opinion, have been a huge reason for the Canucks' success. The Canucks have been looking for four solid lines for a long time now, a long, long time, and they finally got it, and look at the results. So you don't really want to mess with that. And the other option is to go out and trade for someone else, but it's going to be tough. You know, first of all, you're going to find the guy you got to identify the guy and pull off a trade. you got to give up assets. And then you're probably not able to do some other things. If you want to upgrade the defense, you might have to pick the forwards instead of upgrading the defense, even if it's adding depth to the defense. And here's another thing that I don't know has been discussed much. Kuzmenko was relatively easy to move. Relatively easy to move. I know, you know, Drance did a really good piece for The Athletic about um, kind of all the things that the Canucks had to do in order to get that deal done, mm-hmm. including convincing Kuzmenko to waive his no-trade clause to go to Calgary. Um, but in terms of Kuzmenko's story, like the selling story behind trading Kuzmenko, here's a guy that had just scored 39 goals. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a, that's a good story to tell. It was like, wow, you nearly scored 40 goals, like, just last season. Um, and he only had one year left on his deal. Mikheyev, um, despite doing some good things last season on a torn ACL, still has that 
reputation of a guy who's coming off a torn ACL. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason he hasn't been that effective this season probably has to do with that recovery from an ACL injury. You know, there's a lot of people that take a while to come back. So a team, you could sell them a story and go, listen, once this guy's fully recovered, he'll be a good player. But other teams might be like, yeah, it's still a risk, though. And he's got two more years on his deal at a cap hit that was in the neighborhood of Kuzmenko's. Plus, he also has no trade protection. So it's, you know, if if you're talking about moving out a guy like Mikheyev in a trade, I think it's going to be a... I think it's going to be tougher than it was with Kuzmenko. Yeah, and I mean, before we go too far down the road there. No, I, I know. A, I just, I'm just i just going through all the options, yeah. right? Well, so part of the reason that we're leading with this today is that Sportsnet's very own Ian McIntyre has a very good piece up on Sportsnet.ca right now talking about Mikheyev and the top six forward group. Now, I think it's important to note a couple of things here. One, that top six group as comprised right now is loaded with talent. I mean, it's got four NHL all-stars in the top six. And the fifth guy is Pew Suter, who has been a terrific signing and well, well above value for what they signed him for, the production that he's given him, which then turns attention fairly or unfairly to McKayev. Now, I think part of that attention turned to him was unfair. I think there were some realistic expectations about what he could provide. And I think people that, especially the ones that were complaining into the Dunbar... Unrealistic were, expectations? I think... People had unrealistic expectations about Mikheyev. Okay. Right? I think realistic expectations were he's coming off a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. You're putting him uh, in a <laughs> in a pretty plum, pretty cherry gig playing alongside a guy like Pedersen. And I think the unrealistic expectations then came in. It's that, well, wait a minute. He's been foisted into a really at at times a top line winger role. He should produce like that. I never thought that he was possible that even at 100 percent health, I thought he would maybe max out as a 2025 goal guy. But yeah, he was always a bottom six guy in Toronto. Exactly, and that was when he was one younger mm-hmm. and two not coming off a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Now pro- I think one of the problems is is that he's not even doing some of the things that he was signed to do. And I'm not even talking about like being a top six guy. Like he's not really part of the PK anymore. Um, So you're kind of like, it's like that line from office space. Like, what would you say you do here? Yeah. With the bobs. Yeah. Which I guess would be in this case, talk it and foot. But anyway, point, point being, (laughs) uh, McKayev has no goals and two assists. What would you say you do here? I can't believe we have it at the ready. Uh, he has no goals and two assists since the turn of the calendar, since January 2nd when they resume play after the Christmas break. Mm-hmm. So his production, while a lot of his other top six forwards <laughs> has been like off the charts, his production has been zero. Yeah, it just yeah. hasn't been there. So that draws people's attention. Now, I think the hope, the hope for the coaching staff and management is the old, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats that we get. Lindholm into the mix, and I think more importantly, you get Kuzmenko out of it, and suddenly that line becomes a lot more dynamic, and that in turn makes Mikheyev a little bit more effective. That being said, it's I mean that's it's not a shot across uh, the bow from Talkit here, but it's very clear what he needs specifically because he told IMAX specifically what he needs. From Mikheyev. Yeah, right? and he told us, yeah, we got to get Mikheyev going. And we've got one very angry text into the show early. It's only 6.12 in the morning, and yet 
There's some anger in the Dunbar Lumber text line that we're talking about this. Riling up the blood. Um, welcome to having a good team with expectations. For the people that think this is nitpicking or us trying to find controversy, this is what happened back in 2011. I remember a lot of talk about the second line needing to score more. You know, a lot of talk about Mason Raymond or, you know, Ryan Kessler needing to pass the puck a little bit more because you needed more production and they needed more production out of their bottom six. You know, like guys like Keith Ballard would get discussed a lot. And ultimately in the final, he wasn't able to play. So like this is what happens with a good team. And this is what we said would happen with a good team. We would joke like, hey, guys, like, you know, we want a good team here. And we would joke kind of not joking, but like you you can still nitpick and be critical of a good team because um, you can't have any passengers if you want to go win the Stanley Cup. Do you think the Canucks are? Do you think the Canucks think they have a chance at winning the Stanley Cup? Well, they've 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 acted like it, and they've certainly insinuated it. And you know, we're talking about a top six role here. This is a top line role, and you again, you can't have any passengers. Everyone's got to have a role that contributes. So while it may be unfair to put these expectations on McKeev given his injury history, they're still that's the reality, right? Like whether or not he's injured or not, we're not talking about whether or not it's fair. The Canucks need someone to do the things that Tockett wants a player on that line. It's a big responsibility to play with good players, mm-hmm. right? And 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 the, and I think that quote from Tockett says a lot, and I'll say it again. When you play with top players you got to do essentially a lot of the dirty work, and that is coming up with loose pucks, going to the net, chasing pucks down, and being good on the wall. Mm-hmm. Because the whole idea is you come up with loose pucks, and guess what you do? Give it to the top players so they can do what they do. Now, some of that has to be done by Pedersen, and some of it has to be done with Lindholm. You know, you think about Burroughs with the Sedins. The Sedins weren't just sitting there going... All right, Burgo, get us the puck, and we'll wait for you to do that. Right? Like they would go out and get it themselves just as much, but they also had a guy that would do that stuff. And now you're talking about a guy in Mikheyev who, even if he's hurt, if he can't do it, someone else has to do it. And if he can't do it, that's fine. We'll give him give him an excuse, but you need to talk about people that can. Because, again, the Canucks aren't just, you know, like just muddling around here. They have a goal. And that goal is to not only get in the playoffs, but go do something once they get there. And the competition is going to be real, real tough. By the way, segueing off into uh, a nice little feather in the cap for the Vancouver Canucks and a guy that might one day be in that forward group. Uh, kudos to Abbotsford Canucks forward Arshdeep Baines, who not only... Won the 2024 uh, AHL All-Star Game MVP yesterday, but also made it in to Laddie's intro, which is really the crowning achievement for any professional hockey player. Uh, Hopefully he makes it up to the big club and gets in more intros down the road. Yeah, like what a, you know, if you want to talk about a season that has just been filled with positive developments, right? So obviously at the NHL level, uh, it's been fantastic, right? 
The Canucks have been great. It's been one of the great stories in the league. They've got several individual players going for awards. The coach is probably going to be in line for coach of the year. The draftees, the eligible, the guy, the guys that have been drafted recently, you've got Lekaramaki winning MVP at the World Juniors. Yeah. You've got Villander, and I don't know if you watched him yesterday. BU won their game in the semifinals at the Bean Pot. And Mac he's Le- been well. He's been he's been playing well. Mac like Celebrini dropped a swear, and he was so fired up in his post game interview. Oh, really? He dropped a swear. It was pretty good, actually. Um, so you got that. So you've got the NHL team thriving. You've got the drafted players doing well on their respective levels, and now you've got uh, an American League feeder team where Archie Baines, who has been the team's best player this year, and they've had a few different candidates, but Baines has been great. So he's the team's representative at the All Star game. He goes to the All Star game. He actually had missed the skills competition because of travel <laughs> issues. Makes it a day later. Yeah, it was, Get- that, it was that weather that canceled the, the final round of Pebble Beach. That's, That's stupid weather. It was screwing up everything. Archie <laughs> Baines could have been in the skills competition, but he couldn't go. Could so have he- gone and seen the final round of Pebble. <laughs> That's right. He gets into the All-Star game, leads the entire tournament in, in, with scoring with five points, two goals and three assists, and walks away with some hardware at the end of it. So I do wonder... If he'll get the call. Now, the, the article that you were mentioning from Drance that he mm-hmm. wrote yesterday, that notebook that he put together, he did mention the fact that uh, they, they've they been doing the yo-yo thing with Linus Carlson, who's now back up, yeah. where he's gone up and down, up and down from Abbotsford. They haven't done it with Baines and Pod Colson because there seems to be an understanding that this might be more beneficial for them. Like, stay where you are. You're thriving. You're doing well. Pod Colson's been pretty good Like Hoglander last season. Right. And look yeah. at Hoaglander this year. That wasn't the same article I was talking about, by the way. Drance wrote an article. He wrote two articles? <laughs> he wow. wrote an article. Good for him. And I think it might have been uh, co-written with someone else. I can't remember. Um, but remember when he said he was going out for breakfast with Jim Rutherford? Oh, I think, yeah. I think he got a lot of details about how the Lindholm trade went down. Yeah. And then he wrote up that article and it was a real behind the scenes look about all the timing that um the t- you know there's a lot of balls in the air basically. And there are in in, in any big trade that's going to happen and it talked about um from the Calgary side as well. I think there was a Calgary reporter on it too that went back and f- that was talking about how Craig Conroy, you know, dealt with an aggressive Canucks team that really wanted Lindholm, mm-hmm. but still had to maximize the value for his player. Anyway, it's a good read if you've got an athletic subscription. Two good reads. I like the other one as well. Okay, so Yeah, t- the other one was fine. <laughs> Tonight's opponent is the aforementioned Caroline Hurricanes. I'm actually pretty excited to talk to Don Waddell at 7 o'clock. Uh, I've got a couple questions about the massive contract extension that they gave Sebastian Ajo a year ago. You know the one where they didn't wait? Until the contract expired, and the moment that they had an opportunity to sign him, even though he had a year left on his existing deal, they signed him. He I'm was not pe- saying that no, it's no, a no. similar situation to anything we got here in Vancouver. But he was That's a pending me. UFA, wasn't he? I know. I'm yeah. not saying the situations are in any way similar. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was more like a Nylander situation. Yes, it was. But, um, yeah, I, I do, I do want to talk about... Um, Sebastian Ajo and what that process was like to get him signed. Um, well, I will I just to I jump in. I want to talk to him about the goaltending, too. Yeah, because, well, that's funny because I was going to tie that back into tonight. So, Antti Ranta, who's been, he's got to be one of the streakier netminders currently employed in the National Hockey League. It seems like he's one of the guys that will go on an unbelievable heater and then will go on this long, cold stretch where it's like, we need to address our goaltending. He's been on a hot streak going into the deadline, or sorry, into the All-Star break, but Spencer Martin, former Vancouver Canuck, I do wonder, 
if Rod Brindamore and company will give them the nod tonight. Now, I can't see it because they've been off for a long time and Ronta's been their number no one. Chance. No but chance. No chance. As a guy that likes to pull at the heartstrings, good old Spencer Martin. Remember when we thought he might be the guy? Remember when he was getting wins? We weren't the ones who thought he'd be the guy. I think I said it out loud. I'm like, what's the number one? I believe he called stat? him Spencer the Answer yeah, Martin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, get them, go out of here. Martin just wins games. Who cares that they're 7-5 and 6-5 and whatever? Like, he, he was on that streak where he won. Oh, I remember that. Your, your bit about, like, the only thing I care about is wins. What's the number win? one goal? wins games. And it would, the- kid, it would kill Laddie. Yeah, every time. He's like, he's games. the new Grant Fuhrer. Like, he, he'll let in six, but he'll he's get a winner. that. Yeah, he's yeah. a winner. And then I'd ask him, I'm like, hey, what's the most important goalie stat again? And then it would be silent. Like, Laddie is shaking. I I know. Know. I the w? Yeah, yeah Laddie would be like, uh, adjusted save percentage. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes tonight will be the opponent. We're going to talk to Don Waddell at 7 o'clock. And yeah, there's... It, it's a, as we mentioned yesterday, these first two games coming out of the break, it's actually probably the most engaging and intriguing part of the Canucks schedule, not only because they play a five on the road, including a Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back, and the Sunday is sort of the appetizer for Super Bowl, but eight of their next 10 games on the road, and I threw it out there yesterday, this is actually probably a more daunting stretch than that seven-game road swing mm-hmm. where, I mean, they blew the doors off the competition and were fantastic, even though they bookended it with losses. Tonight's going to be a good night of hockey. The yes. Oilers are going for their 17th straight win tonight in Vegas, which would match the record of Rick Tockett and some other guys that were on the 92-93 Penguins team that won 17 in a row. It's going to be tough for them because they've just had a break, so maybe some of the, that momentum has dissipated a little bit, and I'm sure the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Vegas is the home team, I believe, they're not going to want that to continue happening. Um, and in Cal- in Boston, actually, but for Calgary, Kuzmenko will debut for the Flames, and this is interesting. I didn't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. On a line with uh, Huberdeau and Sharon Govich, and Sharon Govich, despite Halford not thinking much of this player for some reason, has actually been a really good story. Huberdeau has not, and uh, I think Eric Francis wrote an article. Oh, it's just like they're they're was, making it, Sharon Govich play center. On the line. Right. Well, and he hasn't really ever done it. He did it. He, yeah. he, the best part was when, in explaining it, Ryan Huska was like, well, you know, he's got some experience. At the beginning of the year, he opened up as our fourth line center. I'm like, oh, my God. Now he's centering your top line. Like, And he was yeah. doing okay on the wing. He was scoring goals, mm-hmm. which is, I think, what they envisioned him to be. Well, he's playing with Lindholm. Yeah, because Lindholm was setting him up at his own expense. That's how I like to view it anyway. <laughs> but um, the other part of this was... Uh, Huska didn't want to break up the other two lines because they were actually playing relatively well. So yeah. he didn't want to try and elevate. I think it would either have been Backlund or Kadri mm-hmm. to be the center there. So they're like, well, Yegor, it's it's your job now yeah. to center. <laughs> I feel like it's like being very generous, Ryan Huska calling them the top line. Yeah, and it's like, if you, it's one thing to center a line in the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. but all due respect to Kuzmenko and Huberto, have there been two more underachieving wingers in the NHL yeah, to yeah. start the season? Like that's a both lot. Guy, to both ask. both guys are like, uh, I love to play on the outside. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, like I think the, we're going to get along really well. Then Sharon Govich, you're doing a lot of work. My favorite zone is the offensive zone. <laughs> that's the other thing too. Yeah, you the know, whole thing centered on whether or not they're going to 
be able to play defense. So, like, um, I, so. on a personal level, like, I hope Kuzmenko does well. Me I hope too. he, I hope yeah. he turns his career around, and I hope that maybe Huska can come to some sort of mutual. Because I mean, the standards aren't as high in Calgary. Let's be dead mm-hmm. honest. Uh, Tockett had a certain way that he needed him to play, and he wasn't going to fit. Maybe Huska can find something that'll allow him to discover some of that joy and that offensive zip, because that was part of it too. Is it wasn't just the things that Kuzmenko wasn't doing defensively here. Mm-hmm. It seemed as though he was overthinking everything on offense. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. It's his friend and bachelor, bachelor, bachelor. Live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It's his friend and bachelor, bachelor, bachelor. on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning. It's brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. As the music suggests, Brendan Batchelor is going to join us in just a second here. To kick off hour three, hour three is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. What are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what? <laughs> that was an angry answer. Ah, ah my feet. That's my Kintech. I'm, I'm adding every time. Oh, Kintech. <laughs> there you go. Through gritted teeth. <laughs> my foot is killing me, by the way. Okay, uh, let's go to the phone lines now. The Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call, it's to Brendan Batchelor, who's on the call tonight for the Canucks and Canes 4 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? How are you guys doing? Uh, we're good. We are excited. This feels like a longer... Th- I know it's only been like a little over a week, but it feels like it's been an awfully long time since we had a Canucks game to sit down and digest. Uh, I feel like it's because this past sports weekend was pretty um awful pretty awful bare pretty, bones yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, batch uh how much of an adjustment do you think it's going to be for Elias Lindholm to come into this lineup a lineup that has been very successful this season and the expectations are going to be high for this guy yeah it's going to be an adjustment but i'm interested to see what that adjustment looks like and how long it takes him to get acclimated to this new group because Uh, You know, while you're right, this is a lineup that has been sort of clicking on all cylinders for most of the season, and he's joining it, coming from a team that hasn't been playing well, and he hasn't had a great individual season. Um, The pedigree of, of the kind of player he is, what he brings to this lineup, and particularly what he will bring to the Pedersen line when you compare it to what Andre Kuzmenko was bringing, and it might actually be more smooth of a transition than you might reasonably expect just because, you know, I think the opportunity he's going to get to play with Pedersen, at least to start, at least that's how it looks, is a better opportunity than anything he will have seen in Calgary this year. And, you know, he is the kind of player who has the ability to make the most of that. So, you know, I think patience is going to be important with him in terms of him getting used to the systems and where he needs to be and, what the expectations are for him individually 
for this team. But at the same time, when you put good players with good players, often good things happen. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's what we see from him and Pedersen early here. Batch, did you hear he's a 200-foot player? Did, did you hear that? Term? I have heard, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, where, where can he make the most? Which, which, which of the 200 feet will he dominate where, the which, where will it? Where, where are you expected him to make the, the most impact? Is it offensively or, or, or defensively? It's, it's defensively, and it's, it's tied to deployment. Because, you know, I think Pedersen is probably better suited to being a hard matchup centerman than JT Miller is. And, um, you know, Miller has done a good job in that role throughout this season. But now you look at the way that they've constructed the top two lines and you're comfortable with either of those lines being on the ice against the opponent's top players and in shutdown roles and, you know, key defensive zone situations and things like that. And I thought always that the thing that was holding back the Pedersen line from being deployed in that manner was Andre Kuzmenko. And the fact that Tockett didn't trust him defensively and didn't want him out there in late game situations a lot of the time. Well, you won't have that same concern with Lindholm because he is a player that has shown that he can be a top of the lineup two way forward, a 200 foot player, as you put it. So Um, the fact now that either of those top two lines, and then honestly, you can throw the Bluger line in there too, with the way that they've played and say that you are completely comfortable with any of your top three lines being out there against any other line in the NHL. That's something that this team hasn't had to this point. And it's sort of the trickle down effect of adding a player like Lindholm. That is a game changing thing for your entire team, because, you know, if the Miller line's tired or they've had a, a long shift, but, you know, the Aho line, let's say, is coming over the boards tonight. And I know it'll be different on the road because you don't have last change. And we'll only maybe really understand the impact of this when they return home. You're comfortable throwing the Pedersen line out there in that situation. You're comfortable throwing the Bluger line out there in that situation. And, in fact, I think the most interesting thing about this road trip is going to be which matchup do these opposing coaches try to chase? Because none of them are great options. Like either you're sending your top guys out there against Pedersen and Lindholm, who are both great two-way players, or you're sending them out there shutting down top lines at times this season. And Miller's a good two-way player and Suter's a good two-way player. And I don't think Besser gets enough credit for the level of two-way player that he is. Uh, and then if you're trying to get away from both of those lines, guess what? It's potentially the best third line in the NHL with yeah. the way they've played this year. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a nightmare for opposing coaches, and it's amazing how just adding one player makes that big of a difference in terms of looking at, at how this team can be deployed and how the lines will roll. Is Ilya Mikheyev officially under the microscope now? Yeah, I would say so, especially um, with – with Niels Hoaglander having a good year and producing like that, that's what you always want to see for uh, a team like this is guys pushing from underneath to, to get more opportunity and, and to get more chance up the lineup. And so, you know, now that you've got Pedersen and Lindholm, you kind of look at them as a duo and you would imagine that if things aren't going well, it's going to be the left wing spot on that line that is cycled through or rotated. And we've heard Tockett mention that Garland can move up the lineup and we know Garland can play both sides. 
But Niels Hoaglander has found some consistency in his game as well. I know I hear from people on Twitter all the time wondering why Hoaglander isn't given a chance up the lineup. So Mm -hmm. if Mikheyev can't find his game and and be a good contributing member of that line, then there are opportunities there for either Garland or Hoaglander to to take his spot in the top six for sure. Hey, Batch, I got some play-by-play updates for you in case you hadn't seen already. Uh, Peter Kachekov is in the starter's crease for the Canes. Um, so it sounds like he'll get the nod for the Hurricanes in goal. And Andrei Svechnikov uh, remains in a yellow no-contact jersey and is working as an extra, so that likely means he will not play. That is courtesy of Walt Ruff, who is uh, yeah, not related to Jason Br- Walt Ruff, <laughs> who works for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. So um, that's an advantage for the Canucks that they don't have to face Svechnikov. Um, this is going to be a tough stretch for the Canucks, no? Yeah, it's it's uh, coming out of the All-Star break, it's going to be tough. But then you look at facing the Hurricanes, facing the Bruins. You know, they're two really good teams. Then you've got a back-to-back of, you know, matinee games on the weekend. And we know how some of those day games have given the Canucks a little bit of trouble. Couple that with the fact that I think, uh, you know, it's not fair to say that they were struggling going into the All-Star break because they had points in 11 straight games. But those last two games where they trailed and had to have those miraculous third-period comebacks to earn a point and then get a win going into the break, you know, kind of show that that maybe things were trending in the wrong direction. Now, you know, I know Rick Tockett talked about this before the break, that the break was probably coming at a perfect time for this group because they needed the rest. They needed to get away. So I expect to some extent to see a re-energized Canucks group coming in with the addition of Elias Lindholm. The fact that management has, you know, given them an endorsement by going out and adding a a top level player to the lineup. Uh, But all of those things said, these are not easy outs. We saw the Hurricanes gave the Canucks a tough game in Vancouver earlier in the season. Uh, We know what the Boston Bruins are capable of, and and that'll be an interesting matchup later in the week. And then back-to-back day games have been something that that the Canucks have struggled with. So it's going to be an interesting test. It wouldn't surprise me if they're able to pass the test with flying colors, but um, for a team that hasn't faced a ton of adversity this year, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be an interesting challenge for them coming out of the break. It seems like one of the messages that's really being sent by Rick Tockett, and I imagine the leadership group, is, guys, let's not buy too much into all the hype around us because the Canucks were one of the main stories at the All-Star game. They had five players plus a player that they picked up uh, at the All-Star game plus their head coach. Um, There's a lot of positive press around the Canucks, and frankly, that's something they're not used to. And I imagine that for a team that has had so much success by, you know, taking things day by day and doing the hard things that you need to be successful, um, one of the things they're really cautious of is, like, let's not get away from that. Yeah, this is the time of the year where all of that stuff becomes that much more important because, you know, the intensity of the games increases, um, you know, the importance of these games, not just for you, but for your opponents, uh, gets gets more and more elevated. And, you know, this is what Rick Tockett has talked about all year long is setting those habits in place so that you can rely on them when, you know, rubber meets the road. And we're not there yet in terms of these games being hugely important for the Canucks, but 
That said, we've seen what the Oilers have done in, you know, trying to push their way back into the conversation in the Pacific Division. The Canucks have done a great job of fending them off by the way that they've played and the point streak that they've put together. But you put in all that work, you know, you can't just let it fall by the wayside now coming out of the All-Star break. And, you know, this is a team that, you know, one of the interesting things I think Rick Tockett has talked about is how, you know, this is a team that, that has had some success in stretches over the last few years, right? Like they had a good stretch after Tockett arrived last year. They had a good stretch when Boudreaux came in and was the head coach. And they've had a tremendous more than half of the season this year. So now you have to understand what it takes to deal with that prosperity and still carry forward and still do all the things that you need to do to have success. And you're right, not read your own headlines or buy into your own hype. And if there's one thing I know about Rick Tockett, it's that he's going to be on these guys to make sure that that doesn't happen. But to a certain extent, I would imagine it's, it's human nature at times. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do, not just coming out of this break, but over the final 30-plus games that remain here, in the regular season, because now to me, anyway, the focus shifts from what they've achieved and and how well they've played to now, what can you do to best prepare yourselves to have the best chance to go on a deep playoff run and everything they do the rest of the way, in my opinion, anyway, should be viewed within that lens, including how they manage some of the headlines and some of the press that they've received. Okay, Batch. One final question, and this is really important one. Uh, you're 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 a you're the, the play-by-play guy. Are you going I with am. Elias Pettersson and Elias Lindholm? Uh, as of now, that is what I'm planning to go with. I need to have a summit with Shorty to figure <laughs> out uh, that we're on the same page. Uh, but uh, that was one of the things where when they acquired him, I was like, you know what? They should put the lotto line back together because I don't want to have to go Elias to Elias and yeah. figure all that out when they're on. Like, I'm sure I'll screw it up at some point. So apologies in advance if mm-hmm. that's the way we stay. But yes, as of right now, it's Elias Pedersen and Elias Lindholm. And you'll have to tune in tonight to see if it stays that way for the rest of the day. All right. Good luck, Batch. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Uh, Brendan Batchelor, Canucks radio play-by-play voice right here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. A reminder, pregame, postgame, and the actual game all right here. It's an early start tonight because it is in Carolina. Four o'clock puck drop for the Canucks and the Hurricanes from Raleigh. Did you guys hear that Elias Lindholm was a 200-foot player? 200-foot play? I have not heard that. Uh, I was looking for scouting reports. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to know that he plays uh, the entire surface, the entire sheet. Even Lindholm was like, I'm a 200-foot player. Everyone said yeah. Rick Tockett. So it's it's Elias Lindholm uh, yeah. and Elias Pettersson. There's no way that I'm going to be able to remember that or try and execute it in real time. Yeah, I'll just be calling them both Elias, I'm pretty sure. Right. It, it just rolls off the tongue. Lindy, Lindy and, and Petey. Petey. Yeah. Lindy and Petey's fine. Yeah. And Mick. Lindy, Petey, Mick. There you go. Okay, uh, let's do some What We Learns here. Uh, reminder, get your What We Learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 and include the Canadian flag emoji if you want to be entered into the competition for Rugby Sevens tickets. That's coming up in a couple of weeks at BC Place. Always a good time. Yep. Uh, the Rugby Sevens, I'll be there. 
I got a press pass. Are you gonna dress up still in the press uh, box? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never even seen the press box during rugby sevens. <laughs> and I'm gonna walk in in some crazy uh, costume, yeah. already half cut. Be like, can I have my press pass, please? It'd be funny if they made all the reporters dress up. That was like part of the thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. sir, your costume. Did you not get the memo? It was Trent Crim, the independent. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. There you go. Then you're, you know, that's a Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso reference. reference. Oh, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Ted Lasso. I watched or- the first season of Ted Lasso, and then I was like, "That's enough heartwarming stuff for me." Uh, Trent Crim, the Independent. Yeah. Okay. Let's do some what we learns here. Okay, uh, I've got one. I've got one, and Laddie has one, so we got three. Oh. Why don't you begin, Jason? You seem keen. Or I can begin if you like. <laughs> no, I'll start. Okay. But it's kind of hilarious. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks are back. In the Winter Classic. What? The Chicago Blackhawks in an outdoor game? No way. Yeah. Uh, they actually haven't been in the Winter Classic since 2019 when they played the Boston Bruins. Better get them back in there then. At Notre Dame Stadium. Um, they're going to take on the Blues. And obviously there's a bit of a rivalry, long-standing rivalry between the Hawks and the Blues. Um, the game is going to be at Wrigley Field. Here's something I actually didn't know. In the Winter Classic, the Chicago Blackhawks are tied with the Boston Bruins with four appearances each. These aren't just general outdoor games. Remember, this is the Winter Classic, the one on New Year's. Um, They're 0-4. So I've got the list of all of the outdoor games in NHL history in front of me. Mm -hmm. So they were in the second-ever Winter Classic. That was at Wrigley Field. Yeah, so it's going back to Wrigley. 2009, they lost to Detroit. Yeah. Okay. Then they played in a stadium series game at Soldier Field and they beat the Penguins, but that wasn't a winter classic. Then they went back to the winter classic. Remember that one? We were at it at uh, Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. Yeah. A very forgettable winter classic. Yeah. Like, oh, what a stadium. It looks new and not particularly special. The biggest story, and I wrote about it, it feels like 16 times over the course of the weekend, was the sun. Because that, oh yeah, that the glare from the sun. Nationals for the for the the Washington Nationals Nationals field had an issue with the glare because I guess the angle in which the sun came in caused outfielders problems. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't think that had anything to do with like with the. Uh, I think just the sun can be a problem. Yeah. In these outdoor games, the ideal scenario is overcast with maybe a few flurries just for TV. Yeah. So the other two were the Blackhawks played at uh, Bush Stadium in St. Louis, and they lost to the Blues. And then the most recent one that you mentioned, they played at Notre Dame Stadium against the Bruins mm-hmm. in South Bend, and they so, lost that one as well. So good to get them back in there. Hopefully Connor Bedard is uh, healthy for that one. Otherwise, it's going to be the Jason Dickinson show. That, that'll probably draw pretty good <laughs> national TV numbers in the States, right? If they're like... It's the Blues, and they're kind of retooling. And it's the Blackhawks, and Connor Bedard is hurt, but there's Jason Dickinson. Yeah, Dickinson, Kachuk, all your favorites. I actually, in all seriousness, I wonder if the Blackhawks are going to try and make some big moves. Well, this I thought off they were going to get Kuzmenko. I thought they were going to get Petey. <laughs> yeah. I heard yeah. that somewhere. You heard that rumor out there? Yeah, I heard Luke that. Luke, before we go any further. Okay. I pulled up the 09, last one at Wrigley, the goaltending matchup for that one. Cristobal Huey yeah, right. against Ty Conklin. <sighs> what a matchup. What? couple of behemoths. The Jason Dickinson and goaltending <laughs> matchups. Okay. Um, uh, we mentioned that it's a big night in the National Hockey League, right? You've got the Vancouver Canucks back in action. Locally, we're all going to be paying attention to that. The nightcap is the 7 o'clock game, the only 7 o'clock game on the slate tonight, where the Edmonton Oilers will look to match the NHL's longest ever winning streak at 17 games going into Vegas. We also mentioned that 
The Calgary Flames are playing Boston tonight, and it's Andre Kuzmenko's debut. That's not it for Calgary. <laughs> Calgary tonight, which is very strange given it's February 6th, they are going to have not one, not two, not three, but four new faces in the lineup tonight. So they're going to have Kuzmenko, yeah. who they acquired via trade. Okay. Um, now, I want to get the pronunciation right here. Braden Pahal, who they acquired on waivers from uh, Vegas, is going to make his debut on defense. Now, if you look at his name, it's it should be Braden Packle. It's P-A-C-H-A-L. But it, I went and looked because we're talking about pronunciation. Braden Pahal. Then you've got two guys making their season debut. Jacob Peltier, who is, uh, I believe, Daryl Sutter's favorite player. And then <laughs> <Right>. Kevin Rooney. <laughs> so you talk... I, I wonder, I just wonder if this is Kevin for, Rooney. Yeah. Not to be confused with his brother, Wayne. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if this is maybe like a bit of foreshadowing that the Calgary Flames are prepared to start moving on. Because how often in the middle of the season do you have a lineup that has four new faces? And it didn't happen. I can see it at the beginning of the year. Like, hey, you're making your, your season or Flames debut here. But they're doing this coming out of the all-star break. Are the Flames going to suck for a while? Can you like how, sell off? Not if Dustin Wolf says, like, I, I, well, I, I, yeah, that's a thing, right? I he like, might actually stop them from being bad. I actually do like a couple of their young players. Like Sharon Govich has been a nice find. Connor Zeri has potential, but who is the star there? Like, what what is their star power besides besides maybe their goalie, their young goalie? Are they angling to draft perhaps Jerome McGinley's son? Oh yeah, right. Where is he expected to go? Pretty high, really. Yeah. So that's kind know. of that's That'd kind of good, they'll have to be quite poor in order to be in his range because Iggy right. is he's one of the advisors for uh, Craig Conroy, correct? Yeah. So I'm just saying, if you want to start connecting the dots and looking at the pieces, the Flames have already made one massive trade. Uh, they are now debuting a bunch of new guys in the middle of the season. They've got so many guys that they could or will trade. If you're Noah Hannafin, you're out. What reason besides money? Like they unloaded the Brinks truck for he's, you. He's gone. Would you be? Why would you sign he's, in Calgary? He's not going to. He's gone. Yeah. I mean, I there's no way. Like they. I he, mean, he seems. And he. And, and the funny thing is, he's like the only one that really makes sense for them to try yeah. to resign because well, he's still relatively. Like he's only 27. When we had Randy Sportak on the show last week from the mm -hmm. Hockey News, the Calgary Flames beat writer for the Hockey News, we kind of asked like, what's what could possibly happen between Lindholm? and the Flames to not have him traded and maybe come back and sign a contract. And he's like, you know, they could maybe make a last-ditch effort, but it feels like fait accompli. Yeah. I get the same vibes off Hannafin. Why don't they just go through a massive rebuild and hopefully it all pans out by the time they move into their new arena? Well, what do you do with... Like the Saddle Dome, the Saddle Dome's a dump and so is the team. Yeah, I mean, that's not inaccurate. <laughs> what do you do with what do you do with Huberto and Kadri? Or Honestly. do you just say, hey guys, sorry, you signed on for this. You're just going to have to go through it. Because you could rebuild with those two guys there. They're just onerous contracts, but at that point, you don't even really care. You could easily rebuild with the way that Huberto's playing. It's like... Wow, we want to be a bad team, and you are getting paid a lot of money to help out. Yeah, you're doing a great you're job. The, of this. You're yeah. like the the most expensive tank commander in NHL history. And maybe you could make a, a cadre deal work if he decided he wanted to go elsewhere. I mean, I don't know who's taking on that money, but the um, term it's the term. Well, so, yeah, it's so, crazy. Uh, anyway, he's signed till he's almost forty. The Flames are debuting four new guys tonight, including. And by the way. I do hope that Andre Kuzmenko rediscovers his game and does well in Calgary. I wish him all the best. Moo cow. Ah. Laddie, you're up. 
What we learned coming out of Florida, the Panthers have announced that the Panthers sub is now available at Publix. The sub includes honey chicken tenders, bacon, crispy fried dill pickles, and the customer's choice of cheese. So, so my question to you guys, yeah. if the Vancouver Canucks had its own sub, what would it consist of? Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Should have given you more time to no, no, that's some okay. answers. But. Would you have to go with some sort of seafood, fresh or canned, I suppose, because it's like a, a sub, salmon sub? Sub. Because of where we're at, right? Yeah. What do orcas eat? I guess salmon, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Whale fin, maybe? Whale fin sub? Oh. Andy. They're not, they're not Andy. Andy, are they? Dear God. Andy. Andy. <laughs> Dear God. It's a blubber sub. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, uh, I think it would have to be like a sushi sub or something. Sushi like sub? That. That'd yeah. be good. What about a tuna fish? <laughs> sure. Clatch used to get so angry when I called it tuna fish. <laughs> it's like non-bread. It's redundant. Yeah, it's, it's redundant. redundant. Everyone knows what a tuna is, right? You don't call it a salmon fish sandwich. I'm like, that's true. You don't. Uh, by the way, hot honey chicken tenders, bacon, crispy fried dill pickles. That sounds really good. I'm really intrigued. I have no idea what that has to do with the Florida Pickles Panthers. and chicken. I don't know. Something about the pickles on the chicken. I don't. I can't mesh with that. Oh, that's the thing. I know. Yeah. I, I don't like that. It's the it's the tanginess of the dill against the spice of the hot honey. I'm a pickle guy, too, so it's surprising to me. I surprise myself sometimes. Are you a gherkin guy? (laughs) Oh, yes. You're a pickle guy. (laughs) Let's give us a moo cow. Please, please, God. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.